0: Hello and welcome to the Chris Ham Podcast. September, already just a few days from coming to a close. Unbelievable. You know, I, I know I said it for the last two or three weeks, but I love the weather this time of the year in this part of the country in the Northeast. And yes, the reason why it's like Southern California all year round this time of the year. And yes, guys, I'm obsessed with talking about the weather. This is to my buddies on the West Coast that give me shit about it. You want to know why? Because it isn't consistently 75 and sunny with low humidity every friggin' day. All right? It snows every four days in January and February. March it struggles some years to get above freezing. In April, it rains sideways. And from about mid-June to mid-August, five minutes in the heat and humidity... Will make your shirt look like you jumped into a lake. All right. So this optimal weather is something that I try to cherish. And I like to talk about because the weather's so up and down most of the year. And this great weather in the Northeast spans from about Labor Day through Halloween. The, the leaves start changing. The temperature is consistently like 70 to probably low 80s. Um, the nights and mornings cool down. And really there are only about two randomly brutal things that mark this great weather in the northeast. Yellow jackets and spider webs. All right? Number one, yellow jackets. Now yellow jackets are a type of wasp that look like bees or they're, they're 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 a little bit like thinner than bees that are in full force late summer here. I mean, they are brutal. They're annoying. They swarm around food and drinks and alcohol. I mean, any outdoor activity that you're doing this time of the year, um, especially when the weather's warmer, they're just they're just all over the place and they suck. And um, number two, I guess it's because we had about four and a half months of consistently warm weather day and night. Um, Spiders are out in just full force and every night. They weave these webs between any two objects or bushes that are within a few feet apart, and this is something I even I didn't even realize, um, you know, until about you know probably this year, and you know it, it took me, you know, thirty eight years to realize this living in, living in the Northeast, but I, but I guess up until about three years ago, I was living in the city, and it's just more of an issue in the suburbs, and you know cars, outdoor stairwells, you name it, you're gonna find these webs everywhere. Um, every night when I walk the dog, every early morning I have to use my iPhone flashlight because if not, you walk right into these things and it feels like you're going to, going through a haunted house. And the spiders in these webs—I mean, these are pretty decent-sized, brown, hairy ones. Not into it, man. Not into it at all. You know, in general, you can probably tell that I'm, I'm not a fan of insects. So we got a good pod coming up today. Uh, I share a short story. About my train commute earlier this week, reflect about birthdays, have a big announcement for the audience, um, and talk about a couple of social observations. Then, then, then we hop into our football bridge for week three into week four, and um, as an end, and as always, with um, with a rant or a hot take. All right, so I'm glad this week is over. Um, a lot of excitement at work, um, and on Monday, as I'm, I take my commuter train home uh, in the evening, an engineer conductor comes on the PA system and tells us that there's an emergency situation a mile ahead. All right, so the train stuck now to a, has come to a complete stop. Now, a couple of minutes later, the conductor comes on chuckling that there is a woman on the tracks and all four tracks in both directions are blocked and the police have been dispatched. Now, from the way that he was saying it, it didn't sound like it was like a suicide attempt. That like She was laying on the tracks. It just sounded like it was some kind of a, a lunatic that was just like literally just just parading around the, 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 the train tracks and um, probably yelling like obscenities or crazy things. Now, a couple minutes later, um, they're trying to get her off. And the power in the train might be coming, turning off soon because they had to turn off the electricity. This is what what this gentleman says. And keep in mind, um, you know, it's usually nice here as I as I just mentioned in the Northeast, but this particular day it was probably high eighties and pretty humid. And even at at uh, five six o'clock at night, um, it was still pretty hot. So uh, wasn't really looking forward to the to the air conditioning going off in the train. Now, listen, I don't want to minimize the challenges that that involved dealing with this situation, but I'm going to a little bit. So how hard can how hard can this situation be? Now, unless it's a hostage situation, you point a taser at this person, a taser, not a gun, and you direct them off the line of commuter trains and Amtrak trains and arrest her. Now, if she doesn't move, you stun her, you cuff her, and you arrest her. And and this guy's on on, gets on the line saying like it gets on the PA system saying it it, it could take like I don't know thirty minutes forty minutes I mean come on you know I mean listen I know this woman was probably mentally or emotionally disturbed but it's just amazing how selfish some people can be you know it it, it speaks to them needing to be seen or heard and and just like. Like, it's sort of like the guy or lady, usually again, men, who walk around public on subways or the street playing music audibly out of speakers instead of headphones, daring somebody to complain. All right. Call me insensitive, but I just want to get home to my family, and every minute spent is not one that I take for granted. You know, another example also may be the fact that. We need to invest more in mental health services as a nation and stop just talking about it. You know, 10 minutes later, luckily, or I guess it was maybe about 15 minutes later, the situation was resolved. It was The train was slow to to get moving, and it took me, I got home about 30 minutes later than I normally did, and and it was fine. I mean, uh, my my daughter doesn't go to sleep until, um, I don't know, usually between 7.30 and 8. Uh, I got got a chance to, to play with her a little bit, uh, have dinner and, and her to her to go down at a reasonable time, and the whole situation was great communication by Metro North, which is the commuter line that I take on my particular train, and it's just amazing how one person can can affect just so many people. It's really this is the one unbalanced woman that literally delays uh, a couple hundred people heading home from work. All right, so today as I'm recording, it's September twenty eighth early morning. It's my birthday. And I'm grateful to be alive another year. I'm 38 years old today or as Chris Berman on ESPN says, as a euphemism for aging athletes or coaches, 38 years young. Listen, if somebody says that that's a sign you're actually getting legitimately old versus however however you are in, in some kind of a benchmark way. It's sort of like somebody using the quote-unquote uh, no offense disclaimer. When somebody throws that out at you, get ready to be massively offended. And if you ever find yourself about to say that, understand you're going to piss off somebody or hurt their feelings or both. Now, here's a quick story around that. All right? My wife and I were dating about a month and we went to this Italian restaurant on the Upper West, west Side of Manhattan. You know, I was 25 she was 21. You know, this was 12 plus years ago. All right, we went to this restaurant and I was racking up a bill. Made no money back then, at all. Um, and this is um, you know a time when it was it was uh, I guess early summer. Uh, we were enjoying appetizers, uh, wine. We had entrees and uh, some dessert, and. We are sitting sitting down for a while, and I'm probably we're probably sitting down at least at this point for an hour and a half. I mean, nothing like egregious, but it was a long dinner that we were just enjoying. And the waiter came up to us. In retrospect, it was some kid in our age range, probably in his twenties, uh, and he looked like he was he was high school buddies with Ronnie or Pauly D from the Jersey Shore. This is just gonna show you how long ago this was and how old I'm getting. The show wasn't even out back then yet. It was probably two three years from coming out, but this waiter. Um, comes up to us and he goes, "Quote, not to be a dick, but we're gonna have to move you guys to the other room because we have a, another uh, reservation coming in." <laughs> Horrendous customer service to have to do that to to paying patrons, but even worse was the communication around it. You know, and and, and the whole not to be a dick was just a perfect example of the disclaimer I mentioned, which. Wasn't no offense, but it's the same type of thing, like not to be blah blah blah, whatever it is, which was which was was the precise, you know, not to be a dick was the precise antithesis of what that person was actually accomplishing. He was being a dick. So anyway, I'm 38, Uh, one more birthday in my 30s after this, but hey, I'm excited and mostly content with my position in life, and you know, I feel very fortunate to have a wife. A kid, and, um, and I also have gratitude for my job. Uh, all four parents and in-laws are in lo- are alive, and some solid friends old and new and um, some quick housekeeping until I crank out um, a few meaty social commentary episodes so I'm gonna have um, ones like this that are <clears throat> a mix between life and sports. Uh, it's segmented and transparent from the description, so feel free to pick and choose what you want to listen to as far as segments. So just to give you a heads up, a few episodes that I'm working on, um, I'm working on the phenomenon of Italian-Americans politically leaning right. Um, My wife and I are two exceptions. So are my mom and some extended family. But for those of you who are not aware, Italian-Americans as an ethnic group are largely conservative, largely Republican. Looking looking to bring on a guest or two, at least for that, that kind of hit – Two different parts of the political spectrum Um, Also, uh, another episode coming up We're going to explore atheism and its correlation to younger generations Um, And, um, you know, so coupled with a big announcement We're going to look at uh, pregnancy and the social norms around pregnancy So the announcement, if the lead wasn't a hint um, Jen and I are pregnant with baby number two Due late winter, so due in March, we're both very excited and also scared of our world being rocked even more with chaos. Um, I'll have Jen on for an episode to discuss and talk about the whole notion of pregnancy, and it's just kind of a, a strange thing that you know we we on on the side of the people that that are that have the pregnant wife or. Uh, are pregnant ourselves as as the as the woman um uh, you know about it for like a couple months you're just kind of sitting on it and obviously for for legitimate reasons a lot of times and the uncertainty around around uh um you know we wanted to to confirm that that everything is healthy but it's just it's just a really strange place to be and and, and having you know uh, being pregnant the second time around it's I'm just starting to realize some of these things that come up with with pregnancy so um so we'll we'll uh, do a deeper dive on that but um coming up next A a couple of quick philosophy discussion points. Here's one thing I've noticed in life. So if you want a true window into what people think of you or say about you, see how those they talk to most treat you, especially if you have a limited interaction with those other people. Here's an example. If you have a roommate who is, you know, maybe say this roommate is more of an acquaintance, somebody that you don't know well, somebody you randomly matched up with, uh, but whatever, if they were a roommate of any capacity, a friend, acquaintance, whatever, and they have friends over, they have a significant other over, and you get the, the vibe in any way of disrespect or disdain i got to break it to you. That roommate is probably talking shit about you even if to your face you don't observe this dislike. Actions in life can very much tell a story. Now, earlier in my career, I had a new super boss. So uh, boss of a boss uh, that was announced and and he told me um, that there were some exciting new roles opening up directly under him. So level up from where I was at the time and I should apply. Now, I invited him to watch a meeting I was running for my team, um, and when I glanced over at him a few times, he was on his phone, fiddling with his with his Fitbit. He seemed completely checked out, just completely disinterested, disinterested in what I was saying. And um, two days later, he called me into a conference room and told me that my role was being absorbed by a counterpart, and I had two months to find another role within the organization or leave. Now, I ended up leaving, but... If I'd only relied on the words without the actions um, before this of him telling me there are new roles and him, you know, seemingly praising the, the 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 job that I was doing, this would have been even more baffling. But I mentally prepared myself when I headed to this conference from giving the observation I made. So in life, remember this as you process the world and people around you. You know, you might have heard the saying, "Actions speak louder than words." But there was actually a Baylor University study done several years back conducted that found actions and words speak loudest in tandem. So just just one thing to chew on as a philosophical point. Now, one other random thought I had was pro athletes due to elite athleticism have the ability to earn substantially more than the average non-athlete. You know, let's take the NFL, which is my favorite sport and the most popular sport in the country. Now, the average NFL athlete earns close to a million dollars per year while the average U.S. citizen earns less than $70,000 a year. And the average NFL player, so that's if you're putting it into context, out-earns the average American by a factor of 14. Now, if you look at the high-end players, it's even more absurd. It's an absurd thing to wrap your head around the money um, and we could debate the economics driving athlete salaries. Listen, I'm a liberal, but I am all for capitalism, especially in this instance. And not for a second do I think that these guys earn too much. They earned it based on their elite skills that are demanded by consumers of their product. All right, but philosophically, take a guy like Matt Ryan, who I was very critical of, and he, who you've heard me to be very, very critical of last episode if you listened. He was a three-sport athlete in high school, all right? The guy's a sick athlete. In addition to football, he was a star baseball player and a basketball player. Now, in his career to date, he has earned over $200 million with about half of that more pending. Now, I was thinking about this the other day. Matt Ryan is is, uh, 34 years old. If he were born in the year 1285 instead of 1985, what would his elite athletic talents yield him? Yeah, you know, I was just really just thinking about this. Would he be a top soldier for a medieval empire? You know, it's amazing that pro athletes have a genetic advantage that manifests itself into wealth, really only though when paired with the specific time period in the civilization of society. Now I think the same can be said about intelligence, charisma, and leadership, because those things manifest themselves somewhat differently based on your lot in life leadership probably more so than intelligence, but um, and in general, I mean, those things probably don't, don't carry as much weight as, as athleticism, which is being so unique um, for this like random athletic activity that we decided to brand as a sport and invent and then start having like high schools and colleges and everything play um, and just and, and then making professional leagues. I mean, the pro athlete thing, if you ponder this concept, I think it's a fascinating topic fascinating. So uh, week three to four storylines coming up next. All right, so hopping into the NFL. So as we go into week four, here's what I I see as the biggest storylines, all right? I'm going to try to at least come up with five. So storyline number one is Panthers quarterback Kyle Allen, who's an undrafted quarterback, who had a nearby perfect four-touchdown effort last week in the desert out in Arizona against a shitty defense nonetheless, but w- was that performance a flash in the pan, or is he going to create a serious quarterback controversy in Carolina about a month from now when Cam Newton starts to think about returning from his injury? I mean, it, it truly was marveling what Kyle Allen was able to accomplish um, last last week. I mean, he, he looked phenomenal, and like, sometimes you wonder where the hell these guys come from. You know, couldn't say the same thing about Luke Falk, my my uh, uh, Jets quarterback, who is who looks like he just doesn't belong on an NFL football field, even as a backup at this point in time. Um, with obviously Trevor Simeon breaking his leg and Sam Darnold having friggin' mono, but Kyle Allen was you know four touchdowns, the ninety QBR, one hundred forty four rating, um, just unbelievable storyline. And it's something that we should be talking about. I mean, drafted out of Houston, but bounced around a few places. I mean, this guy's young. He's 23 years old, 6'3", 210, perfectly uh, sized for a quarterback. So uh, that's storyline number one. Number two, can Baker Mayfield, my least favorite quarterback in the NFL, um, and the Browns shut their damn traps and back up their hype with a good performance on the road against a very talented Ravens team? That lost last week to Kansas City, but put up a nice fight. And you know, if here's just something to put in perspective: if the Browns win, they're in first place, in spite of all the nonsense and the circus there, the bad coaching, and everything else. And Baker getting into to verbal wars with with, with washed up Rex Ryan, you know, really interesting. So if they win, they're they're two and one. Baltimore um, would be two two and two. And um, I'm sorry, they would both be two and two, and um, you know the, the Browns would have uh, the tiebreaker. So that's storyline number two. Number three, how bad are the Miami Dolphins, and how good is the, are the new, are the New England Patriots? You know, will 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 surprise Buffalo be able to upset New England, who they never beat? They're hosting them up at Orchard Park this week. They're 3-0, New England's 3-0. Imagine that they win, but, the, but can they do it? This is a New England team that people are seeing as even more special than, than the than the dynasty teams we've seen over the years since the beginning as far as the defense goes. And um, will the Miami Dolphins be able to contend with the L.A. Chargers, who are coming in as more than a two-touchdown favorite? I mean, I can't remember a year that I've seen such odds like, like, like we've seen the the first few weeks in the NFL between the Dolphins and, and the Jets in their injury situation, their, their 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 collective incompetence. But um, we'll we'll see if Miami will be able to contend or if they're going to get blown out in another week. Um, and then finally, um, and um, you know, finally one of my other uh, the 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 fourth story, uh, which versions of Mitch Trubisky and Kirk Cousins will we see when they face off in their big NFC North matchup? Which one is it going to? Are they going to be the, the the good Mitch and the or or the and the good Kirk Cousins or the bad and the bad? And will will both manifest themselves in the same game despite the fact that they're they're playing? And then um, you know I, I think the the, the last story, uh, the fifth story, is all about Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, and uh, I'll get to more of this in in uh in my in one of my picks, but. Had a pre- fantastic performance last last week, beating Tampa Bay, and um, you know, and obviously in the biggest media market in the country here in New York, and um, that's just a fascinating thing to keep an eye on this week. So coming up next, we're going to go through my ham, hot, sharp, butter knife picks for Week Four. Okay, so my season is off to a somewhat rocky start. Now, it could be worse, but through nine games picked so far, I'm 3-5-1, and so I have a little bit of a hole to climb out of. Um, a three-for-three three week this week will put me right above five hundred. So I nailed Detroit last week um, at Philly, but lost that with Denver at Green Bay and San Francisco hosting the Steelers. I felt terrible about the San Francisco pick the second I made it, but I made it nonetheless. Uh, I feel better about this week, so without further ado, here we go. All right, let's start at MetLife Stadium. So, as I mentioned, rookie Daniel Jones and the Giants are going to be um, hosting division rival Washington Redskins. Now, Washington is plus three, just a mere field goal dog at the Giants, which signals that these teams are even, since home field is about three three points in the NFL. Now, after the great performance by Jones last week, replacing Eli as a starter, um, the very Highly valued Eli among Giants fans. Um, does anyone else find this line not find this line incredibly fishy? Three points. The Skins and Keenum looked horrendous on Monday Night Football against the Bears, and the Giants came back down 18 to beat Tampa Bay, and they seem to have their quarterback for the future. Now the line opened up at the Giants minus two and a half, and has moved up to minus three. And let's look at the distribution: 60 percent of the tickets on the Giants, but 66 percent of the money on the Skins. Listen. Every year, Vegas gives you probably three to five games that don't make any sense. It, it just happens every year. When that happens, go the other way, all right? I've been watching football a long time, and I've realized this. Now, remember, there is a myth that Vegas wants equal action on both sides. They want relatively equal action, but that means more than it means um, bodies betting. So weigh the dollar amount more than the actual... Um, uh, Ticket percentage, I should say So if more money, but few bets are coming in on one side That signals sharp money All right, Oddsmakers and sharps are smarter than you and I Don't forget that I like the Skins plus three at the Giants Next, let's go to Chicago and Chicago is a short home favorite against the Minnesota Vikings now, You know I've been incredibly critical of both of these quarterbacks Mitchell Trubisky and Kirk Cousins both rebounded after very rough week twos. Um, but I virtually watched I watched virtually every snap of um, Trubisky last week in, in Washington on Monday night. And he missed some throws. And he he made a great throw on the run, his stat line looked pretty good. But I have this theory that Matt Na- Nagy knows that Trubisky's a shaky quarterback, and where he senses a bad defense, he's like sensing like blood in the water. He pads Trubisky's stats to keep the critics off his back, and make his, his statistics optically look better than what they are in actuality. Now, Minnesota has been playing very well defensively all season, and they're running the ball well. And They rank in the top five, according to Football Outsiders, from a defensive perspective, and have a top 10 rush defense. Now, without a running attack, Trubisky is going to struggle. And Zimmer and Kevin Stefanski seem to be turning Kirk Cousins into more of a game manager rather than a $90 million uh, slinging around the the field franchise quarterback that they signed him for. And it appears to be working um, a a couple times this week, a couple times this year. Now, the line opened at Bears minus three has been bet down to Bears minus one and a half. Now, one place I do worry is that 82% of tickets as far as distribution are on Minnesota and over 90% of the cash. So I like the fact that there's more cash than tickets, But this line is, and this line has moved as a result. But whenever there's a disparity like that, it concerns me, right? Uh, however, I like the Vikings to win outright, so give me Minnesota plus one and a half. Finally, let's go to Arizona where Seattle... The Seahawks are giving five and a half point division rivals on the road. The line opened at minus three for Seattle and is up to minus five and a half. Now, Arizona has been atrocious defensively and is in the bottom across the board on defensive categories. Now, they're 0-2-1, which is a strange record to have. So, they're, they're winless. They came back week one against Detroit to tie it. They should have lost. Uh, they lost pretty close to the Baltimore Ravens and they got smoked last week to the Carolina Panthers. Now, um The Seattle Seahawks, uh, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, are facing Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. So say that out loud, all right? It's a battle of the uh, former college coaches and the sub five eleven quarterbacks. Now, I think 5.5 is a dead number in Vegas and is often, I think, begging you to take the dog. It seems bigger than it is, but it's really, you know, a glorified four until you get to the number six because the, the, the number seldom lands on five in the NFL as far as the disparity goes. Now, um, technical analysis is not in my favor here. 73% of the tickets and only 64% of the money are on Seattle. I don't care. Take Seattle. Give the points. Favorites favorites do cover, too. So my three picks are Washington plus 2.5, Minnesota plus 1.5, and and Seattle minus 5.5. Hot take up next. All right, so I got one hot take for you today. Here's the take. Fur coats are creepy on women and even creepier on men. All right? Now, I feel like this was the thing from about 1970 to 1995 – yeah, you know, I I have no basis for the for the for the the span of time that I'm giving. I'm just basing it on the fact that in Goodfellas, which was set in like the late '60s, early '70s, um, after that big Lufthansa heist, uh, all the mafia women are coming in, in fur coats. So, um, and you know, and, and and knowing the fact that that uh, in my childhood, in my youth, I saw a lot of a lot more women wearing fur coats. You know, thank God this fad is gone, and probably gone for good with the trend toward increased animal sensitivity. All right. Animal ethics aside, which by the way I have a problem with the fact that they're violent against animals, but um, especially to make fur coats. But I think it's incredibly cruel to wear fur. Um, I'm not, but I'm not going to be righteous because I'm not a vegan, um, and I have plenty of leather shit around my home. But uh, animal ethics aside, it's creepy. All right, quick footnote: While I'm not a vegan, my diet has probably moved from 75 percent to meat to 25 percent meat. Um, in the last 12 months again that's a that's a topic to elaborate on in another podcast but fur coats are just plain creepy. You know, my mom had one when she was younger, when I was when I was a kid and it was a status symbol. I feel like at a point but they just look gross. They feel gross, they look gross. You know, I don't give a shit what color they are. What animal, mink, fox, whatever, creepy. And creepy As creepy as they are for women to wear, for men, it's a whole other level of creepy. Just imagine a random friend or colleague who is a woman. All right. So close your eyes and just think about just some random, somebody random that you know. And now picture in a fur coat. All right. Now do the same thing for a man and take five seconds to do that and picture him in a fur coat. Both are creepy. The man's even creepier. I'm not trying to make any kind of sexist commentary about this. I hate all genders wearing fur. Men, women, trans, don't matter. Don't wear it. I hope we never, ever, ever bring this into mainstream fashion again. Fur coats. Thanks for listening to the Chris Ham Podcast. Please follow me on Twitter. Chris N. Ham, your support and feedback is incredibly valuable as I grow this podcast. So please tell me what you like, what you don't like, and feel free to suggest topic ideas. Take it easy, friends. Be well.